Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. The Last Dinner Party by Jacob Traham. I was hoping you'd join me for dinner on Thursday, old chap, he said. Seven o'clock, my place with a few other friends of the family. Also, I suppose I should probably mention that I've been hired to kill you. I blinked and pressed the telephone a little closer to my ear. I'm sorry, I said. I must have misheard that last bit. I've been hired to kill you, he repeated quite cheerfully. Don't fret, though. I can promise that neither I nor anyone in my employ will lay a finger on you for the duration of our dinner engagement. No poisons, either, though regardless, I'd be happy to provide a taster for you, if that sets your mind at ease. And no snipers or bombs or... Well, look, I'm trying to think of all the disclaimers I can here. But the point is that you'll be entirely safe should you choose to attend on Thursday night. I just want a chance to talk things over, is all. But hang on, I said, this is mental. What do you mean, hired to kill me? I've known you for years. We were at school together. I've never seen you hurt so much as a fly. Well, he said with a chuckle, I'd hardly make for a decent assassin if people saw me, old chap. But listen, I can tell you more about that over dinner. Do say you'll come. Jacques will be whipping up his famous Blanquette du Vaux, and you know that's always been your favourite. I shook my head, laughing in spite of myself. Well, all right, I said. I'm powerless to resist Jacques's cooking, but look, you must understand, all this assassination talk is a little alarming. I'll expect a full explanation when I see you. Get one, I promise. When I arrived at the house on Thursday evening, feeling a little self-conscious in my suit and tie, the butler who answered the door ushered me in with a low bow. It seemed that most of the other guests had already arrived, as they were standing clustered in small knots throughout the sitting room. My host was moving from group to group, laughing at jokes and proffering glasses of wine. He beamed when he saw me. Jim, so good to have you here. Wouldn't have missed it, I said, as the butler took my jacket. I admit that I've been quite curious about your plan to murder me. He laughed. Of course, he said, all in good time. Attention, everyone, he called, gesturing broadly. Your attention, please. I believe that we are ready to begin the evening's festivities. If you'll just follow me into the dining room. We took our seats at the long table, our host seated at one end and myself at the other. The other guests were largely unknown to me, and I struggled to remember their names as my friend made a flurry of introductions. There was Madame Pravia, the dressmaker, and Carl Gustave, who I gathered was in the Bond business, as well as Lydia Cavendish and Stephanie Twisp, and a pair of fellows whose names I couldn't recall for the life of me, but who introduced themselves as the owners of some vineyard upstate. On the other side of the table was Leonard Fine, the editor of The Recorder, along with Lady Jane Hathaway and her two nieces, and Ricky Zayas, the trumpet player. I would ordinarily have felt a little out of place in such elevated company, but everyone was so cheerful and friendly that it seemed impossible to worry about anything. In fact, I was just wondering how on earth I was ever going to bring up the subject of my impending murder when the first course arrived and all else was temporarily forgotten among the blissful sense of Jacques's handiwork. It was a truly exquisite meal, and by the time we had finally reached dessert, a hazelnut parry breast. There was much contented sighing and dabbing of lips around the table. 
Our host, who had grown quieter towards the end of the meal, suddenly picked up his spoon and tapped it on the side of his wine glass. As the crystalline tone died away, he steepled his hands before him, and when he was sure he had all of our attention, began to speak. I suppose you've been wondering why I've called you here tonight. Well, most of you, that is. Jim already knows, as it concerns him directly. He nodded at me, down the length of the table, as though expecting me to say something. Well, I said, you did mention on the phone. I hesitated. It sounded absolutely crazy, but everyone was looking at me expectantly, and so I continued. You said that you'd been hired to kill me. There was a chorus of, ah, from around the table. Most of the other guests were nodding their heads or turning to give one another knowing looks. It was not at all the reaction I'd expected, and I looked back at my host with increasing confusion. Yes, he said quietly, toying with his spoon. Jim here is to be my latest victim. I've been in this business a long time, as most of you know, and this will be the first good friend I've had to murder. Still, all good things must come to an end. With that in mind, I'd like to propose a toast. He raised his glass. To Jim. To Jim, Jim, the rest of the table chorused, and all drained their glasses. The butler began moving around with a fresh bottle. I felt as though I was going mad. But why? I said. You say you've been hired. Who hired you? What for? Oh, Jim, he said, smiling gently. You surely can't expect me to give up the names of my employers. It wouldn't at all be professional. However, yes, I can tell you that someone wants you dead, rather badly, given that they were willing to pay my fee. I am, if present company will excuse my saying so, the best at what I do, and my services do not come cheap. Your enemies evidently think very highly of you. I hope that thought will provide some comfort. But, but you can't be an assassin, I protested. The wine seemed to be going to my head and I clutched at the arms of my chair. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Why should it have to make sense, he retorted. It may be nice to believe that the world always runs on logic, but that simply isn't borne out in practice. Take superstitions, for instance. There's no logical reason why breaking a mirror or walking under a ladder should have any effect on you at all. But I shattered the mirror in my bathroom when I was twenty-five, and let me tell you, the next seven years were absolute hell. And of course we all know about the case of poor Mr. Radcliffe, who died just last week, crossed the path of a black cat while coming home from his club, and was in the ground three days later. There's no reason why these things should happen, but we know that they do regardless. All we can do is accept that our lives are governed by mysterious forces, and make our peace with that. The other guests were nodding as though this gibberish was the most sensible thing they'd ever heard. I suddenly felt angry with them, all playing along for some reason I couldn't begin to guess. Fine then, I said, spurred on by the wine. Do it then. If you're going to kill me, might as well get it over with. I folded my arms and sat back in my chair. He shook his head. I told you, Jim, he said. Neither I nor anyone in my employ is going to harm a hair on your head. Not tonight, you mean. He smiled. Not ever. They were all staring at me, no one speaking a word. The fury in me flickered uncertainly. It was all crazy. And yet everyone seemed so calm. Am I free to go? I said stiffly, 
Of course, he said. For the first time that night, I thought he looked a little sad. Then I'll be going, I said. Good night to you. I rose from the table, took my coat from the butler, and began moving towards the door. Everyone else had remained seated. As I walked away, I thought I heard someone whisper, Magnificent, though it was hard to be sure. It was a cool night, and a gentle rain had begun to fall as I made my way home. I turned up my collar, my thoughts seething. What the devil had they all been playing at? All this fool talk of assassination, all apparently for nothing. And what in blazes had been the point of that speech about black cats and broken mirrors? I froze, standing motionless on the sidewalk, the rain running down my face. It had just occurred to me that there had been thirteen of us seated at the dinner table. If you would like to read more of Jacob's fiction, you can find a link to his Tumblr in the show notes. I always enjoy collaborating with other authors. If you're an author and you would like to collaborate with me, get in touch through the website stevecookfiction.com.